And welcome to an all new Marvel cast, Exposure Network's hub of all things Marvel. We're going to talk about everything MCU and beyond, from Avengers and Defenders to Brother Royal and Thane. My name's Ashley Hobley. Joining me today is Ultimate Kieran Marshall. We're all Mary Poppins, yo. All Mary Poppins. Uh, and also joining us, the Astonishing Dim Blight. We're all Mary Poppins, yo. Yeah. My joke is because we said we're all Mary Poppins, so yeah, yeah. I can say the same. Same with the correct line, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this week we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I see it within you. Fear. Jealousy. Betrayal. It is our duty to cleanse the universe of this weakness. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags, but that isn't true at all. Dude. Uh, I'm using my wrong eye. Groot, put your seatbelt on! searching for your whole life it's right there by your side all along you're right all you do is yell at each other you are not friends no we're family uh released 2017 directed by james gunn written by james gunn based on guardians of the galaxy by dan abnett and andy lanning starring chris pat zoe zaldana dave batista vin diesel bradley cooper michael rooker garen gillen pom Clef Matif, Elizabeth Debicki, Chris Sullivan, Sean Gunn, Sylvester Stallone, and Kurt Russell. After a successful mission, Quill and his team of Galactic Defenders meet Ego, a man claiming to be Quill's father. However, they soon learn some disturbing troops about Ego. Uh, I'm going to think things off. I think this is a good film. I enjoyed it. I think the main problem with the film is the middle lags, like, terribly. But, uh, you know, it's got a really fun opening. Uh, with baby introducing the character of the year of 2017, baby Groot, uh, setting off the theme of just making stuff babies, uh, oh. and then printing money, um, and then it's got a really good ending, a really emotional ending to the film. But yeah, that middle section is obviously a bit of a slog to sit through, and uh, but you know it all pays off in the end, so you can't uh, complain too much about it. I don't think. Uh, and everyone kind of gets their moments to shine and that kind of stuff. Uh, Yondu gets treated brilliantly in this film. I think he's, he might be the one who comes out of this looking the best, even though he doesn't come out of it <laughs> alive. Uh, and then, again, the continued story development of Nebula in this film is really great. And uh, seeing her trajectory across the MCU is probably one of the more interesting ongoing storylines of the of the MCU. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Volume 2... Still very good. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of Volume 2 resisting this time, though? I think this is a very okay movie. Um, I th- it has so many ups and downs, I think. like the, 
the opening is fantastic and you know brings you straight back into that that feel that James Gunn delivered with the first movie like the pair with the music the comedy the fact that the opening credits is just focusing on Groot that's just all fits what you would come to know and expect and I remember sitting in the cinema watching that and being like oh man I'm strapping in for another one there fuck yeah let's go I think the second they get to Ego's planet it does weirdly slow down um and the, the thing that annoys me the most is it's not that I hate the storyline of Ego being his dad and, like, what that means that Star-Lord has to go through as, as a character in this. Like, I think there's a cool idea there. I just think the whole Ego-Kurt Russell thing was just not pulled off very well at all. Um, I think the mo- the thing, m- my least favorite part of the movie is actually the last third, the last 45 minutes or whatever, which is mostly action scenes where they... They stop every now and then to have a conversation or, or what have you. But it's it's a really weird thing for me to say I dislike the most because I think there's a lot of really great character work happening amongst that 45 minutes. I just hate the action scenes in that last 45 minutes. Like I, I think it's just CGI, nonsensical shit, like explosions, nonsense for the most part. And I just don't find it very exciting at all. And um, I would quite happily just skip through that get to when people are talking watch that and enjoy the movie a lot more that way personally uh i i do agree with what you said as well i think this movie is basically yondu's movie <laughs> to, a de- yeah. to a degree like the fact that you have a 15 minute scene or whatever it is whether they're, they're on the ravengers ship and like it was so just take you could be like well, rockets there like rockets part of the uh, Rocket and Groot are there they're part of the guardians like that so this is still guardians of the galaxy movie but it's like let's be real all of this stuff here is all about Yondu as a character, building up to his huge moment where he, he gets to take revenge and stuff. And that is the best action scene in the movie, in my opinion, where he um they storm through, you know, <laughs> fucking taking down. I love that. Uh, and, yeah, Michael Rooker and Yondu are the, by the time the credits are rolling, he's the one you've shed a tear for. He's the character you've enjoyed the most. He's the one you're going to miss the most. He's the one who had the most character development. Um yeah, and it's weird. It's like by the time the again rewatching. This is the second time I've watched it. I haven't watched it since I watched it the first time. It's one of those weird ones I only ever had one watch of because I didn't really enjoy it that much. But but again, by the time the credits are rolling, I'm like, it's okay. It's just I s- still stand by my problems. But boy, do I enjoy Yondu's storyline in this, and just kind of wish I don't know. I, ca- I kind of wish he hadn't have died solely because they could have started this. Uh, reconnection arc or something with him and then I still feel like they could have had done the same sort of death in the next movie or something and had it be just as powerful if they'd like more slow played it because it is a little bit obviously from like here to there and he's dead in the last act of this movie to a degree but um, and yeah and again I guess the other thing I would say is that uh, Nebula gets a lot of character work in this alongside Gamora that's super important and uh, they both do fantastic It's, it's weird to say that the person who I'm the least interested in in this movie is Chris Pratt and Peter Quill's storyline, given that is the forefront and the ego and everything. That is the thing I care the least about in this movie. Yep. What about you, Karen? What do you think? Um, I've I, I, I followed very much the same sentiments as both of you with this movie. Um, opening this movie with maybe one of my favorite songs of all time mr blue sky is instantly a good way of getting me in there and getting me going with this with the whole thing and i think once again the soundtrack for me as a whole lives up really well 
um, kind of definitely being bookended with um, yeah, Mr. Books, Blue Sky and then Cat Stevens, father and son. I thought it's really well uh, put together. Um, very much the same. I think a lot of the fat in the middle could be trimmed down and sadly it all comes from the ego side of things. I think I really love the whole Rocket and Yondu storyline throughout the middle. I really enjoy every moment we're going back to the Ravager's ship or um, even the moments leading into that. I think the biggest shortcoming of the ego storyline really is the fact that they're they're trying to play this like, oh, there's something wrong here, there's something bad going on, but without really dropping enough kind of subtle it's, hints or There's no evidence as to why it's... There's no evidence, yeah. It's just all the characters are like, there's something wrong here, and I guess as the audience, you're, you're just kind of treated like you're smart enough to understand that there's something wrong here and nothing as it seems. Um, but... There's no kind of information there. There's nothing to dig into. The fact that Gamora finding all those bones and stuff happens at the exact same moment the reveal happens to, um, for Peter, Peter and it's kind of really pacey. No. It's like, why didn't they find this out maybe a couple of scenes earlier? So then it leads into this where you're leading into the Peter, the uh, the Quill and Ego scene with a bit more um, trepidation because you understand a little bit. I more. gotta be honest, I would have much rather this movie play out where Mantis tells Drax and then Drax not knowing how to deal with that information just kind of keeps it to himself. And yeah, <laughs> like, like it's just one of those things where it's like, I get it, you're trying to play this, you're trying to play this off as there's something wrong here, but you're not doing it very well. Um, I couldn't remember the last section being that long, like like it just that whole like, yeah. kind of ending fight scene where it, I remember it plays out the exact same way as the uh, airport uh, runway scene from Fast and Furious Six. Oh, even though it's like five minutes, right? I remember Except for being... that's a good action scene. Well, also true. I remember being Ooh. somewhat <laughs> of the way through this scene, that scene, and being like, wait. Has Pac-Man not happened yet? And being like, and then like another ten minutes later, it finally happens. I'm like, fucking hell, this is like, I really, honestly, I think that scene did not need the sovereign citizens in that at all. Like they didn't need them showing up there at all. Like there was, or not only is it you've put in a bad guy who has minions or ships that have absolutely no substantial importance because they're all automated ships. And I get it. For the first scene, I was like, that's funny. They're all worried about their own lives and everything, and they want to protect their own lives. They're gamers. They're gamers. Yeah, exactly. They're they're too perfect. They don't want to risk any of their own lives for it. But then for this last scene, I'm like, yeah, but that means there's no importance to these ships blowing up around them. They're just shooting things for no reason. Um and it, for that, for the sovereign in general, it's like okay. By the end of it, you're like, oh, you're kind of cramming these in here so you can find this way to develop Adam Warlock for potentially Guardians Three or whenever that is going to pay off later down the track. Mm. Um, Yondu is absolutely fantastic, as you both already said. I really love how they use Yondu to mirror to not only have character progression for Quill and his kind of relationships, but also mirror Rocket and show Rocket in a different light where. Um, he kind of pays off, and even the scene. Honestly, the, I can't remember it being so weird for me. But the scene where like Rocket shoots um, Gamora to be like, I don't want to lose anybody else right now, and him like just ignoring everything else. I was like, fuck, this is actually kind of dark in terms of like um, what he's willing to do to to make sure everybody survives and the trauma he's been through. Um, I I really do like the ending it, with the Yondu stuff. Because I know another thing this movie sets up at the end is 
potentially doing this Sly Stallone Ravengers group movie or series or something at some point. Um, and it's we'll like, well, that. wouldn't yeah. that series have been potentially better with Yondu around for it? <laughs> like, to have a character connected to it that people care about and love? Well, I just want to stay with Stallone do mm. the Flashbacks. Ravengers. Flashbacks. <laughs> um, it, it's very peculiar, but Overall, its movie's okay. It doesn't live up to the heights of the first one. Um, it, yeah, it could have just done with some streamlining, and it all comes from ego. And I don't know how you streamline that very well, or how you change that to make it yeah. worth it. Ego but... strikes again. Am I right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, before we move on, I guess we did for the volume one. What's uh the best song on Awesome Mix Two? Dylan. Uh, go Karen first because I need to look at the soundtrack quickly to take my pick. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll start because it's really easy because it's Mr. Blue Skies by Electric Light Orchestra because that song slaps. And if you ever feel down or you ever feel like you're having a rough day, just chuck that shit on. There's no way to be smiling, but you're not smiling by the end of it. It is oh. bloody great. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go over the chain. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I like the way that she's nice. There you go. There's my pick. Uh, then I guess I'll go Come a Little Closer by Jay and the Americans, which obviously soundtracks the big Yondu fight. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, some solid picks in this one as well. So, volume three has a lot to live up to music-wise. Definitely. It needs another, because I've, I think, I didn't listen to sound the, the volume two mix as much as I did the first one, but I still listen to both of them pretty, um, pretty, not religiously, but constantly when, around the release date. So, Volume 3 definitely has that. And now he has the Zune with 300 tracks on it. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Like which uh, decades are we going to? I mean, they ended up back on Earth, so I mean, he could have picked up something. Like Peter he's got finally a subscription to <laughs> The Zune wasn't the the, uh, the product that won the uh, MP3 war. Yeah. Presses play. Fuck the police. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like all this hip-hop stuff. It's like, yeah. wow. Changes him. Uh, building the MCU, uh, the major addition to the MCU in this, uh, film was Pom Clementife Teeth, I can't, I should look this up, uh, as Mantis, who debuted in the Avengers number 12, 112, June 1973, created by Steve Englehart and Don Heck. Uh, I thought she's a good addition to the, uh, good addition, a nice, she's got some buddy cop buddy relationship with Drax throughout the film so uh and obviously they play against each other for the upcoming Infinity War as well so yeah I, I yeah. quite enjoy I really enjoy, really enjoy her I, obviously I think this is the first thing I'd ever seen her in and if I'd seen her in something else prior to this I definitely didn't remember her by the time I was watching this and she is definitely one of the highlights between her and Drax just her and Batista having this sort of great chemistry in this movie with the, the amount of lines of especially by the time you get to the end he's like you're beautiful on the inside <laughs> like all of the, just, the, just when she wakes him up in the middle of the night and he's like like starts like dry gagging where he's like I'm just thinking of imagining of us being together I can't <laughs> handle it <laughs> uh, yeah she's she, she's great she's uh, she's great, but also can't not talk about Drax when you talk about her. I feel, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we've got the Ravengers, or I guess technically the original Guardians, uh, 
so we got Sylvester Stallone as Stakar Augers, who debated in Defenders 27, September 1975. Michael Rosenbaum as Martinex, who debuted in Marvel Superheroes 18, January 1969. Ving Rhames as Charlie 27, debuted in Marvel Superheroes 18, January 1969. Michelle Yu as Alita O'Gord, uh, debuted in Defenders 29, November 1975. And Miley Cyrus as Mainframe, who debuted in What If 105. Uh, do you think we'll see these people again? Wait, Miley Cyrus <laughs> was in that? Yeah, she's the <laughs> robot. Yeah, she she's she's the only robot. featured yeah. in the end scene, like the uh, cutout scene. No, scenes. she's the robot head at the yeah. end. I didn't even know that. <laughs> That's yeah. Uncredited. But yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that their final scene with all, all of them together is like cool, I guess. But even without knowing all the characters, you're still obviously you're like, oh, I know that actor and actress. And yeah. This is cool, but... I just don't think they'll. I I just don't feel like they'll ever do anything with it because kind of as Kieran was saying before, I don't know how you could do a spin-off Ravager thing without like I just you don't have a lead character that people are interested in for that to be a thing that works now. You know, like unless you even, have one of the Guardians become a Ravager now or something. I don't know. Even for when you look at it, so there's nothing as as far as we know, unless they're somehow role evolved in Thor: Love and Thunder, um, or potentially Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. There's nothing kind of directly aimed at them in the next phase. And it, Slice Stallone is running on borrowed time. We all know that. He's, he's <laughs> a man of... It's uh, going to be yelling at Adrian for the rest of his days. Um, I just don't see them getting a chance to put them to use. Like, I just don't, yeah. don't know where that's going. I mean, what if they put Sean Gunn's character with them? I like Sean Gunn, but I just... I- yeah, but like obviously he's not the same as Yondu, but that would be a yeah, g- easier I'd, 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 gateway in for the audience. I st- no, I'd, I'd say they don't because I feel like a lot of people you put him in, people would be like, "Who's that?" And they'd be like, "Oh, he's the guy from Guardians." I'm like, "Was he?" You know, like I, I feel like most people wouldn't even remember that he was in it. To be yeah. honest, even then, I mean, they can get away with anything though at this point. True, I don't think they will though. Yeah. Even Sean Gunn's character is in a really weird position at the end of this movie, considering all of the Ravagers get killed. Yeah, they kill a lot of Ravagers in this film. Uh, so starting like, with a uh, rocket on that planet, just taking yeah. all of them out. And then they throw a bunch out of the airlock, and then Yondu just murders everybody else. Exactly, mm-hmm. there's no prisoners. But there's 99 other Ron- John, uh, Ravager ships, so it's all good. They'll live on. It, this uh, is for audio, audio listeners, uh, Ash did the hopefully the, picked, uh, heart hopefully did close enough to the mic that it picked it up. Thing that uh, we do in the film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I guess we'll talk to about the most important Stanley sighting. Uh, Lee appears as an astronaut telling a story to what the Watchers, mentioning his stint as a delivery man in Civil War. He appears again in post-credit scenes where the Watchers leave. Tired of his stories, as he quotes to as he quotes to them, uh, that they his ride back to Earth. Uh, so it implies that Stanley's appearances in all these have been uh, as an informant, bringing all this information for Earth back to the Watchers, who apparently are like half assing their job. Apparently, love it, Lo- love it. It's one of the smartest things they ever did with the Stanley cameos. Yeah. It's so good and sort of cements him even more as not just a cameo, but actually part of the 
MCU universe, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's done very well and i think it i don't think anybody was ever looking for there to be an explanation for the stanley signings but once we were given this one it kind of works out so perfectly that all fans are kind of appreciative of it um and, and it's it's a nice touch yeah definitely and that's been your stanley signing for this week uh kieran what's the most marvelous moment of guardians of the galaxy volume two i really enjoy the rocket versus the um ravages scene just the array of um, different tactics he uses throughout that, and like just the seeing the ravages get hurled around and thrown up in the air and have needles sticking out of their face, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and I really enjoy Rocket and Bradley Cooper's performance in general, so I think these uh, it was a really good moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dylan, what's your most marvelous moment? Uh, I'd say Yondu slaughters everyone. Or <laughs> uh, if I had to pick like a more serious moment. Then I would be going with shortly after he slaughtered everyone. That conversation Kieran was kind of hinting at before, where he, you know, yells at Rocket and says, "I know you because I was like sort of." Uh, I mean, it's a little on the nose, but it's still effective. I feel like it's it is effective. I, feel, I you know, I, I knew it was coming, and I was still just a little bit choked up when he when he says it. I feel like I feel like it hits for me at least emotionally. So yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, those are the two pretty good ones. Obviously, the opening is fantastic with the baby Groot dancing around. Uh, I think I'll go Yondu's final sacrifice. No, uh, shooting up, saving Peter, because Ego might have been your father, but I was your daddy. <laughs> Even though that, that <laughs> you know, was been ruined. If it wasn't Michael Rucker, they couldn't use the word daddy at the end, because it would have been really much weirder, but it's just kind of natural in his uh <laughs> his accent it's yeah, yeah. yeah uh also shout out to uh i love the moment where peter quill just unloads on ego after finding out he put the straight away like doesn't thing. even think about it. he's like yeah. he's straight like i planted the ca- the uh whatever the cancer Tum- in your mum or what a tumor yeah, in your so. mum and then without even thinking about it just pulls out the guns and blasts the shit out of him Which, <laughs> like without probably being totally intentional really sets up peter quill's actions in infinity war um, with him kind of snapping at um Thanos and everything, like it kind of sets that up, and so that is so where people kind of yell at him or are angry with the character for that decision. It's kind of like, well, it's, he has a clear history of doing this. Yeah. Like, I was like, it's it's less set up, and then or and it's more just proof that they they're actually pretty good at keeping these characters to yes, doing yeah. things that fit within the way they've written the Been characters written, yeah. previously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, Guardians Volume 2. Uh, we'll talk about the comic script recommendation for this episode. I picked All New Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 Communication Breakdown, written by Jerry Dugan, uh, penciled by Aaron Kuda and Marcus Toe. Uh, so this is another relaunch, I think 2017, after the Brian Michael Bendis run, uh, rejoining the original team of, uh, or the main team, that we all know and love of uh, Gamora, Drax, Star-Lord, Rocket and Groot, uh, they find themselves caught between the Grandmaster and the Collector, who are having like some sort of rivalry, where they're each each of them is making the Guardians steal something from the other one, uh, and there's so you know a bunch of hijinks ensue, and then all the Guardians have got their own secret secrets that they're keeping from each other. Uh, like Gamora's got some secret about why she's 
making deals with the Grandmaster and that stuff, that sort of stuff. Uh, Drax is kind a pacifist. He doesn't want to fight anybody. Uh, so he's just running around all over the place. And uh, Groot isn't is a is a baby Groot. He isn't growing anymore. So they're not sure why that is. But then there's all these flashes to some other planet where somebody's planting a bunch of Groots in the ground. So there's a bunch of mysteries going through and all that. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I'm gonna probably gonna go back and read the rest of the run. I th- it, don't think it ran too long. Uh, and I will say, if you're reading this on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> uh it's different to the trade paperbacks because the trade paperbacks um do issues one two and then four six eight ten uh because there's a like a bunch of standalone episode issues in between like explaining why gamora's got her secret why style what style was doing uh why drax has become a pacifist which is in volume two so um yeah really interesting run uh i'm enjoying it uh I don't think you two got much into it. No. Yeah. I didn't, no. Time, am I right? I tell you what, Baby Groot in this is adorable. They're very adorable. So if you need more of a fix of Baby Groot after watching Volume 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy, this is we, the one to get. Not a direct Marvel question, but a Disney question. Do you think we would have got Baby Yoda if it wasn't for the success of Baby Groot? Yeah, probably. I would say so. I if don't it, think it, it's like, yeah, it's a baby and it's cute. I'm sure yeah, someone like else would have The, the idea of baby things eventually. being, the idea of baby things being cute, probably has, is just a general, general you consensus. Know, the Muppet so. Babies <laughs> has been a thing for a long time. So yeah, it's fair. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. Pokemon are cute. Let's do the second generation. What should we do? Let's add baby versions of Pokemon. That's true. Yeah. Genius. Uh, yeah, so that brings us to the end of this episode of All New Marvel Cast. Uh, let us know what you thought of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 or uh, All New Guardians of the Galaxy. I had to pick it because it had All New on the title as well. That's a major a key key selling point as well. Uh, <laughs> let us know on Twitter what you thought by going to explosionnetwork.com <laughs> slash Twitter uh, or just go to explosionnetwork.com to see our news, reviews, podcasts, uh, all kinds of stuff over there. Um, on the next episode of the MCU Rewatch, we will be discussing Spider-Man Homecoming. So make sure you watch that and join us next time for another all-new Marvel cast. Mm-hmm.